You're listening to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols. Support for this project is provided by listeners like you. Visit my website at p3photographers.net for ideas on how you too can become a supporter of the project. Welcome to Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols, the podcast where we celebrate early women artisan photographers. I'm your host, Lee McIntyre. In today's episode, we meet Mabel Sykes, who in the early 20th century found success as a prominent Chicago photographer. She took photos of everyday folks as well as the rich and famous, and that includes one Hollywood star who dubbed her his favorite photographer of all time. For more information about any of the women discussed in today's episode, visit my website at p3photographers.net. Today I'm going to introduce you to both an interesting photographer and also an interesting website that is a fantastic resource about her, her family, and also one of her very famous clients. Before I get to that, first I want to talk to you about how I came across the work of a photographer named Mabel Sykes. Now, back in the before times, when it was possible to spend time digging through boxes of photos in antique stores, many was the weekend that my husband Chris and I spent time looking for examples of work by our early women artisan photographers. As I mentioned back in episode 38, to do this kind of hunting at an antique store, we carry along our pocket palmquist, which is to say our portable version of a database that Chris made that combines the women photographers' names that we've done research on with the rest of Peter Pondquist's list. Normally, that kind of hunting is a little slow going because unless there's a woman's name or something that indicates Miss or Mrs. right on the photo, we have to stop and look up the name in the database on our phones. Now, if we find a match with a name and it's not that rigidly expensive, well, we'll buy that photo. And if it's sort of a possible match and it's not too expensive, we'll take a chance on it. But we're not going to take a chance on it usually unless there's both a photographer's name and also a location for that studio. I mean, we buy something from Miss C. Smith in Lowell, Massachusetts, for example, but we wouldn't buy something called Smith as the photographer if there was no actual town indicated where that photographer did business. Okay, so at the end of a long session a couple of years ago in an antique store somewhere in the U.S. as we were roaming around, I got down to the bottom of a last box and pulled out a beautiful head and shoulder shot that was really clear and vibrant of a young boy in a suit. The photo was printed on a piece of paper that made it like a matted photo within a 5x7 piece of paper. And there was no location for the studio, though, on that image. But as I stared at the fancy script that was sort of embossed underneath the photo, I realized that what it spelled out was the name of the photographer. It was a woman's name, a woman named Mabel Sykes. And it was only a dollar. So I thought, huh, Mabel Sykes, S-Y-K-E-S, that seems like it would be unique enough that it'd be possible to find something about the photographer somewhere in Ancestry.com or maybe on Newspapers.com. And besides, the PopQuest database actually had a Mabel Sykes in California. All right, so we get home and start to look on Ancestry and the newspaper sites. And then 
start to put together information about a Mabel Sykes who had a studio in Chicago, Illinois. Doing that for a while, I then did a search just on the internet, and I pulled up something a little more unusual when I'm doing this kind of research about these women photographers, because what I stumbled on was a blog post that was all about Mabel Sykes. It was on a website called Under Every Tombstone. It wasn't about photography, that site, but this post was all about Mabel Sykes, and it had tons of photos of her family and information about her life and career that was extraordinary. Now, the author of the blog is a man named Jim Craig, and he has really done a wonderful job of putting together all the pieces of information that Chris and I usually try to uncover to figure out information about these early women photographers. So at the end of this episode and on the episode notes on the website, I'm going to point you to Jim's blog about Mabel Sykes because you're really going to want to check out all of the images that he's got there. So today on the episode, what I want to do is share some highlights about Mabel Sykes and her career and, as I often do, pull in interesting tidbits from her life and the side stories that I like to uncover. Some of this is going to be a mix of the material that Jim has on his website with information that I've uncovered um, about her photography and some of the ads that I pulled out because that's what I'm interested in. So I'm going to give you some of the high points, but then again, I really encourage you to, at the end, check out this other blog post about Mabel Sykes. But let's dive in and start to learn a little bit about her story. Mabel Huxley was born in Illinois in 1883. She was the oldest of four children and the only daughter. According to a story in the Chicago papers in 1914, Mabel went into a photography studio in 1902 to have her photo taken. She was 19. The photographer was so taken with her beauty According to this article, he proposed on the spot. I'm not sure if that's hyperbole or not from the newspaper, but in any case, it is the fact that Mabel Huxley married Melvin Sykes, the photographer who took her picture there in 1902. They got married in 1902 when Mabel was 19, and Melvin was older. Um, His age really seems to vary over the years in the different sources. There are newspaper articles, which we'll get to in a second, the census records, But on his tombstone, it says that he was born in 1869. So we'll go with that date, which would make his age 32 to Mabel's 19. Now, Melvin had already been established as a successful photographer at this point, and Mabel then joins him in the business after they get married. She's listed early on as the office manager, but then she's clearly becoming a photographer in her own right. If she had learned any photography before her marriage, We've just not been able to uncover anything from any record that survives. But Melvin and Mabel do form a very successful partnership there in Chicago, and the Sykes studio expands to the point over the years, by 1913, they're able to open yet another branch of their studio. And then they hire a young woman to help run that branch. And as longtime listeners of this podcast can probably guess what happens next, um... The young woman who runs that branch, who is also a beautiful photographer, well, Melvin falls for her as well, and in 1914, Mabel files for divorce. To say that this divorce is a cause celeb in Chicago in 1914 is an understatement. I mean, there are articles and there are photos of 
all of the people and players in this love triangle, as one of the newspapers called it. I mean, you find pictures of Mabel, pictures of Melvin, and pictures of the young assistant, Margaret. It's really quite amazing that Melvin's history with marriage hadn't really made it in the papers before this, because I can't find any articles that chronicle anything that happened before 1914 in terms of his personal life. Remember, he got married in 1902 to Mabel, but as it turns out, Mabel was his third wife. He'd been married twice before. He was widowed in 1900, at least that's what I found uh, in a record in Virginia. But then by 1902, he's actually been married and divorced again to a woman who was, he describes her as a watercolor artist who had a temperament that didn't get along with his. So anyway, so by 1902, he's married Mabel, but then in 1914, they're getting divorced. Don't have to piece this all together. It is neatly laid out in numerous stories in 1914, because truly this divorce was on top of everybody's list of what they wanted to know about. So when the dust settles there in 1914, Mabel Sykes gets the Sykes studio. She gets the business and the right to continue calling herself Mabel Sykes. And that is actually how she rebrands the studio. It becomes the Mabel Sykes studio. Now, Melvin is restricted to remarrying for two years in Illinois. And in order to dodge through that loophole, he and Margaret run off to Indiana and they get married just three months after the divorce is final. Interestingly, there's no articles in the newspaper saying if there was any particular penalty that he had to pay for not abiding by that restriction. Two years later, in 1916, there are articles that come up again in the paper that are complete with new photos of Mrs. Sykes, number four. Uh, She is now 19. She was only 17 when they got married. The uh, rakish charmer Melvin, who is now in his mid to late 40s, Um, There's a picture of him in the hat at a rackish angle, and they actually have to get remarried, even though they got married in Indiana. Apparently, there's some doubt about whether or not it's legal in Illinois, so they actually have a second ceremony in Illinois in 1916. By that time, they actually have two sons, and as one of the newspaper articles explains, they were just concerned about the legitimacy for the sons if they didn't get remarried in Illinois. So... Getting back to when Mabel and Melvin got divorced, Mabel rebranded that studio, as I said, to the Mabel Psych Studio. It's located in what's called the Loop section of Chicago, and it catered to, as all artisan studios do, a wide variety of people and businesses, and she had different ways of making money. So she took pictures of people, of course, but then there are also, from time to time in the newspaper, notices that she's taking high school photos and students from those schools are given the information about how to call up or sign up so they can stop by the studio to have their yearbook picture taken. Her photos also appear illustrating stories in the Chicago newspapers. Um, Now she's taking portraits of people not just for their society mentions, but also to illustrate more serious articles. For example, there's an article in 1917 in the Chicago Examiner. It's on the front page and it says, imperiled by German bomb. And it talks about a family whose home was targeted by a bomb and exploded on their porch. And there are pictures of the wife and husband and son. And the photo credit explains that the picture of the son, Dominic, was actually taken by Mabel Sykes. 
I'll include that in the episode notes because I think it's interesting because it's these society pictures, but it's being used to illustrate a rather serious article on the front page. Photo credit by Mabel Sykes. You can find that hundreds of times in the newspapers online from the period, you know, from the 19-teens through the 1920s. Now that picture that I just mentioned from about the bombing, um, well, that was in 1917. And 1917 is an interesting personal year for Mabel. Her Mabel Sykes studio is obviously going very strong. And so she keeps that as her photography brand when she marries for the second time, a man named Alfred J. Berezanti. Unlike Melvin, Alfred Berezanti is actually a few years Mabel's junior, and he's working for her when they get married. I haven't really mentioned what happened to Melvin and Margaret after they got married, other than they had to get remarried two years later. As it turns out, they actually stay in Chicago uh, after the divorce in 1914, and Melvin opened a new photography studio in Chicago. Again, his ex-wife Mabel got custody of their studio that they had had together, but um, he's running then a competing studio with his ex-wife's studio, and sometimes their ads even appear side by side in the newspaper, and I'll include one of those in the episode notes as well. So that's one of the fun things from this period in that you see those two competing psych studios side by side. Occasionally, you also see a notice in the newspaper that has to correct the photo credit on a photo because sometimes it's mistakenly just labeled as Sykes Studio Photo when, according to the correction, it should have been labeled Mabel Sykes Studio Photo. Another fun thing from this period after Mabel gets remarried, well, she's now known as Mrs. Albert Berezanti. She still marks her photos with the that embossed Mabel Sykes branding that I talked about as catching my eye when I found this photo in the antique store. But during this period, she will sometimes add a separate stamp that will be on the photo itself that indicates that it's run by Mrs. Berezanti. But because she is known as Mrs. Berezanti and not Mrs. Sykes anymore, Melvin seizes the opportunity in 1918 and takes out ads in the newspapers saying that his studio is the original and only Sykes photographer in town because technically Mabel is now Mrs. Berezanti, not Mrs. Sykes. However, her studio is still Mabel Sykes. But despite Melvin's attempts to undermine Mabel, I think Mabel is still the more popular photographer there in Chicago. And she's the one mentioned in the social notices. Occasionally they have these like little things about popular business owners and one of them shows like her baby picture. It's one of these things that they do like special interest, you know, on business people in the city. And she's the one who is profiled, not Melvin. Ultimately, Melvin and Margaret actually do leave Chicago. They turn up later in California, uh, first in LA and then later San Diego, where uh, they actually run a photography studio together as well. And just as a side note, as I mentioned earlier, looking in um, Peter Palmquist's database, he actually had found a mention of what was listed as Mabel Sykes in California. I haven't been able to run across that, but I don't know what that's all about because I can't find any indication that Mabel ever went to California and did photography there. It really just seems to be Melvin and Mrs. Sykes number four, who again was Margaret. Anyway, back to Mabel. So Mabel's business really is going strong in Chicago. And you know, over the years, she becomes famous enough that her 
reputation for taking great photos really spreads. I mean, it's sort of like what we saw with uh, Lydia Cadwell, where her reputation really spread far and wide, and people would stop by her studio to get their picture taken just because they knew what a great photographer she was. Well, Mabel Sykes is the same way. In fact, it's really kind of interesting to note that, you know, over the years, she hires a lot of assistants, uh, of course, to work at her studio, and ultimately she's going to have a couple of different branches herself. And so when those photographers who are working for her go off and start to open their own studios across the country, they actually start to proclaim in their ads that they are so qualified because they previously worked at the Mabel Sykes studio in Chicago. And apparently that's enough of a recommendation that they really want to tout that if they're opening a studio in Oklahoma or in New Mexico. I mean, it's really quite amazing that Mabel had such a great reputation. But of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, not only was Mabel somewhat famous as a photographer in general, uh, she also had a rather famous client. And it's the reason that Jim Craig was led to learning about Mabel Sykes and writing that blog post. Her famous client, of course, was Rudolph Valentino, the silent movie star. Now, as it turns out, Jim Craig is actually an expert about Valentino, and it was through his interest in Valentino that he wound up with an amazing find on eBay. As he wrote in an email to me, quote, I bought a huge lot of material on Mabel Sykes off eBay, hoping there might be some Valentino material in it, but when I got it, I realized what a treasure trove it was about Mabel and that cat of a first husband. This is really intriguing because Mabel Sykes' photo of Valentino is one of the most famous photos of Valentino that there is. And in his own lifetime, Valentino apparently was known for having really prized photographs by Mabel Sykes. She really was his favorite photographer. This lot that uh, Jim brought off of eBay it was really a find. I mean, again, I'll put a look to the blog post. So you'll be able to see all the great photos that were in that lot. I mean, photos of Mabel and her family. I mean, it turns out that it was Mabel's personal collection of photos, including multiple photos and the last photo that she took of Valentino. Let me just read you a little bit from Jim's blog. She photographed them all, from the rich and famous to the just plain folks. Her studio was right in the heart of Chicago's Loop, so whenever anyone famous came through town, and they all did, at one time or another, they ended up in Mabel's studio. It was during one of his many trips through Chicago that Rudolph Valentino met Mabel Sykes. The camera loved Rudolph Valentino, and so did millions of fans all over the world. Mabel Sykes loved to take photos of beautiful people, and Valentino certainly fit that bill. Valentino traveled the world over and was photographed by the world's best photographers, but he always claimed that his favorite photographer was Mabel Sykes. Now again, this is taken from um, Jim Craig's blog post on Mabel Sykes and Rudolph Valentino. And let me just read you a little bit more about um, what happened at the end of Rudolph Valentino's life. Again, here's a quote from Jim's post. Rudolph Valentino came through Chicago for the last time on July 20th, 1926. He was tired and sick. He would actually die from complications of a ruptured appendix just a little over one month later, on August 23rd, 1926. As soon as Mabel got word that Valentino was on his way to Chicago, she cabled him and asked him to set aside some time for another photography session. Valentino responded that he was tired and he didn't feel up to par. 
He complained that even Mabel Sykes would not be able to make him look well and healthy. But Mabel wouldn't take no for an answer, but also bought a little insurance. She met that train in Chicago and went on board to shoot some candid shots of Valentino just in case he begged off the studio session. And Jim has one of those candid shots of Valentino on the train the month before his death included on the post. He also has the last picture that she took of him in the studio the next day where Valentino doesn't quite look his best. So Jim goes on to write, Since Valentino had told her his health problems, Mabel was probably not as surprised as the rest of the country when she heard the news that Valentino had collapsed and was rushed to the polyclinic hospital in New York. But I'm sure that Mabel was shocked when the news hit the wires a little after noon, New York time on August 23, 1926, that Valentino was dead. Mabel immediately created a shrine to Rudolph Valentino in the front window of her photo studio at State Street, and it remained there until she retired. Okay, I'll stop reading from there, but I really encourage you to go and read a little bit more about what happened with the funeral. And then Mabel starts selling photographs of Valentino um, as a way to make money. Um, And she also starts to put together pamphlets and books on Valentino, including stills from his movies. And she starts a fan club. Um, and there is even a picture of her with the fan club. So really a fascinating story. And I never really knew much about Valentino until I read this post. Mabel Sykes was a huge fan and able to really celebrate and promote Rudolph Valentino through her photography for a number of years there in Chicago. And again, the name of that blog is called Under Every Tombstone. And the URL is undereverytombstone.blogspot.com. If you go there and look for Mabel Sykes, you'll find the thing. Or go to the episode notes for this episode. I'll have the link, which is kind of long. Um, and you'll be able to go directly to see all these wonderful photos and other material about Mabel Sykes and her connection with Valentino. So as it says in the blog post, um, it does talk about what happened later uh, in the 30s. Now, um, as I said, she, her business was going really strong, and in the late 20s, she was running her studios, both locations, but then also running the fan club and memorials to Rudolph Valentino. Really uh, going along pretty well, except 1929, well, that's a difficult year. That is the year she files for divorce from her second husband. Now, in that divorce which is not as covered in the paper, but still there are notices about it. Um, What she claimed in her divorce suit was that her second husband was cruel and had actually threatened both her and her father, who also lived in Chicago. She gets the divorce and goes back to being Mabel Sykes, not uh, Marizanti anymore. Um, But starting in 1929, she's back to being just Mabel Sykes. But unfortunately, over the next couple of years, things take a sad personal turn um, with her family. Um, So she's divorced her husband, but her parents are still alive, as well as her three brothers. But her father is hit by a streetcar in Chicago in 1930 and killed. And her one of her younger brothers, who um, blames himself for the father's death, it's not clear exactly why from any of the newspaper articles, but he really uh, sinks into a depression and ultimately commits suicide. And then 
Um, her other brothers uh, die fairly young, and then her mother passes away in the 30s. But um, by 1932, there have been a lot of deaths in the family, and at that point, Mabel decides to retire. She sells her business to the Marshall Studio and uh, closes up shop as a photographer, pretty much, except it, what's not clear is that there are photos that still surface in the newspapers into the 1930s, later, after her studios close, where the credit is still Mabel Sykes, but maybe those photos were taken earlier. It's not really clear exactly what she does for the next few decades, but uh, she is still in Chicago in directories, at least somewhat, and so really interesting to try to track down a little bit more about her at some point. Still haven't managed to do that, but I'm still optimistic that we'll find more stuff about this later period in her life because you know she's still fairly young when she retires. Notice in the newspaper said she'd been running the Mabel Sykes studio for 25 years, which uh, pretty much counts when she was married to Melvin, I believe, as well. So we are only able to really fast forward to 1963 when we discover a little notice in the Chicago paper that uh, Miss Mabel Sykes, uh, who once ran a commercial photography studio here in Chicago, has passed away. When she's buried, um, interestingly enough, so her parents who had gotten divorced after she was an adult. There was a story in the paper that connected to, I think, one of those divorce articles in 1914. But the story says that um, after the parents' divorce, the sons sort of went and sided with the father, and she sided with the mother. At one point, her mother actually even lives with her, I mean, between her marriages. But I think um, when her mother dies, she's buried in one part of a cemetery and the father was buried in a different part of the cemetery. And when the sons die, they're buried near their father. But when Mabel dies, she's buried near their mother. You know, just interesting that that continued um, after death. They decided to not all be buried together. So that sort of wraps up the tale of Mabel Sykes. I mean, for a while, she is super popular and super successful there in Chicago. And then family tragedy strikes, and it seems to take the wind out of her sails professionally. And so she retires. Fascinating story, though, and always fabulous to figure out what can happen when you take a chance for a dollar on a photo that has no location, but just the name of a woman. In this case, a woman named Mabel Sykes. So as always, in the episode notes for today's episode, I'll share that photo that I mentioned that I own by Mabel Sykes, but then also share some of those clippings that I mentioned. But what I really want to share is the link to Jim Craig's wonderful blog post about Mabel Sykes and her connection to Rudolph Valentino, but really about Mabel Sykes and her career, including some of those wonderful photographs, which you're just not going to find anywhere else because they were part of her personal collection. The episode notes for the podcast will be on my website, which is p3photographers.net. That's letter P, number three, photographers.net. But Jim Craig's article on Mabel Sykes is over on his website, which is undereverytombstone.blogspot.com slash 2013 slash 06 slash she hyphen was hyphen Rudolph hyphen Valentino hyphen favorite dot HTML. Okay, that's kind of long. So go to my website, which is p3photographers.net and look for the link to under every tombstone dot blogspot 
www.jimcraigsblog.com so you can get directly to Jim Craig's wonderful blog about Mabel Sykes. If you have any questions or just want to drop me a line, write to me at podcast at p3photographers.net. And remember to check out the Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash p3photographers. For any updates or interesting things that I run across, I have been posting things there, and I'll try to include a little bit of those news and notes uh, in the next podcast episode as well. So that's it for today. Thanks, as always, for stopping by. Until next time, I'm Lee, and this is Photographs, Pistols, and Parasols.